Hey there, welcome to the Next Level Nutrition Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Long, business coach for nutritionists. I help nutritionists just like you create and launch their business and sign their first high-paying client. In this podcast, you'll learn practical strategies to start and grow your nutrition business that you can implement right away. You'll also hear from a ton of guests who have started their own thriving nutrition businesses and share what they've learned throughout their journey. Let's get started. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. So today I have Jackie here to talk all about how to make your nutrition business more accessible. We're going to talk about what is accessible nutrition, how we're maybe not making our business accessible, and how we can make our business more accessible for everybody. So Jackie is a registered dietitian in Toronto with a virtual practice and consulting business, Jackie Silver Nutrition, that focuses on nutrition for adults and children with physical and intellectual or intellectual disabilities. She graduated from Ryerson University with a Master's of Health Science in Nutrition Communication and also has further training in mindful eating, which she incorporates in her client work. In her spare time, she enjoys cooking, baking, meditating, journaling, being outdoors, traveling, and spending time with family and friends. All of that sounds amazing. (laughs) So welcome, Jackie, to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, me too. I'm really excited to talk with you to learn more about um, accessible nutrition, learn more about your business. So why don't you just start by telling us like a little bit about you, your business, and kind of how you came to nutrition to begin with? Sure. Well, my first uh, university degree was in kinesiology at York University in Toronto. I'd always been interested in health and wellness, fitness. And so I, I had a hunch that I wanted a, a career in health care, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I thought, okay, I'll study kinesiology because that's health and fitness and I love that stuff. And then I was looking into different careers um, in my third year and I came across nutrition and dietetics and I figured it would be a very good career for me because there's a lot of flexibility and you can, um, you know, there's so many things you can do with it. It's not just one type of job and you get to work with people and I love working with people. So then I decided I wanted to become a dietitian. And so then I did um, a second undergrad degree in nutrition at Ryerson and um And then I decided to do their master's program that's combined with um, eight months of dietetic internship. So it was a master's of health science and nutrition communication. So we did eight months of coursework learning um, all forms of communication through blogging and media, TV, social media, writing, uh, public speaking. And I loved it. It was amazing. Um, The skills that I learned were so useful that I'm still using now and then um, how I decided to start my own business well um, I graduated my program three weeks before the pandemic started (laughs) (laughs) yeah before everything shut down so it's not it wasn't the best time to be a new grad 
And originally I thought I wanted to get a job in um, health tech. I, I, I still am very interested in that. Um, health tech companies doing nutrition communication. Um, and But it just wasn't a good uh, job market. And I thought, I always thought long term I would have my own business, um, but I would start off getting a job as an employee. Um, and so I, I was studying. So I took the time to study for the board exams. And I did this 12 week uh, mindful eating training of this program called MB Eat, Mindfulness Based Eating Awareness Training, which I really loved. And I incorporate that now. Um, and then in the summer of 2020, I just had this epiphany one day. And I said, you know, what? I'm just gonna start my own business and you know, I'll see where it takes me. It's a pandemic. Like I have the time now. I'll just uh, go for it. I've always wanted this. So I'm just going to make it happen sooner than I thought it was going to happen. So then that's what I did. I I started working on my business and came, um, yeah, I did like all the steps that you have to take to get started. And, and I'd always been interested in accessibility and uh, working with people with disabilities, because I myself have a physical disability. And I in my um, master's program, I saw that there was a big, um, a big need for working uh, with these populations. I did an internship placement with Special Olympics Ontario, working with athletes with intellectual disabilities. Um, and I just saw this really big gap. So I wanted to fill that gap. And so I decided I, in my business, I was going to focus on virtual private practice, um, focusing on, uh, originally I thought just adults. I would do adults with physical or intellectual disabilities. So that could be autism, Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, spina bifida, spinal cord injury, uh, MS, ALS, uh, different uh, amputees, different conditions like that. And then I um, got a few calls from some parents of children with autism saying that they've had a really hard time finding someone to work with their kids. So then I thought, okay, that's like, that's interesting. I hadn't thought that I would um, include children in my uh, practice, but then I started doing more research and I became really interested in it. So now I've expanded to adults and kids um, with special needs. So that was exciting. So in terms of my business, that's been a really long answer, Stephanie, but um, I started with a virtual private practice seeing clients one on one. And that's what I'm doing now. And I thought that I would focus on that for a while and then expand to other types of revenue streams. Um, but I found that I was getting a lot of speaking requests. So that so it's expanded to that as well. And then some consulting projects for organizations have come up too. Wow. I'm so impressed. In just like a small amount of time, you've <laughs> done really well. And and um, I love that you were able to pivot because, um, well, before we press record, I think we were talking a little bit about like, you know, how the times right now is kind of like change businesses and kind of what I've mm -hmm. seen even from a coaching perspective. And I think like, honestly, the people who can 
pivot and and go with the changes versus like waiting until you know quote unquote things are over things have changed like you're gonna potentially be waiting a little while so I love that even though there weren't any jobs available for you at this point of time you're like well I'm gonna take this into my own hands and and start helping the people that need your help right now right it wasn't helping anyone by you waiting like you've been Mm -hmm. able to work with some clients now that really needed your support so Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I'm I'm really happy to hear that. And uh, I think also like just going on the point where you said, you know, there's not a lot of other either practitioners or dietitians or other, I guess, healthcare or wellness professionals helping people in this way. So you do have an opportunity to do a lot more of those, you know, other styles of support than just one-on-one coaching, like you said, the speaking engagement. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, do you did do you feel like those came to be because of your affiliation with Special Olympics? Like, did that give you kind of that push forward because you had that internship and you were able to kind of like get out in the industry? Or how are these people like finding you to do these speaking engagements? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Well, the Special Olympics, I feel definitely helped because whenever I tell people that I did that placement, their their eyes always light up, they seem really interested in it, because it's very unique. And I did have some people um, contact me saying like that they have um, that their kids who are adults who have autism, um, and they wanted to find someone that knew how to work with this population. So uh, saying that I had that experience really um, showed that I know my stuff and I'm confident and I know how to, you know, tailor my recommendations to make it inclusive for um, this population. But then with speaking, the speaking engagements, most of them came through uh, posting in Facebook groups, actually, of Mm -hmm. people with... um, my niche, like some spinal cord injury, Facebook groups, uh, spina bifida groups, and people just saw my post and reached out to me. Oh, so that okay. was well, yeah. let's chat about that for a second, because that's really interesting. So in those groups, were you more sharing like your experience as someone with a disability, and it kind of naturally progressed into you then sharing about your background? Um, and your business? Or was it like you posting saying, hey, this is what I'm doing in my business. And if you need support, I can help you. Well, in most of the Facebook groups, I find they don't let you promote your business. Um, So but in some, for example, someone had posted looking for someone who knows how to um, talk about um, bowel management and people with spina bifida. And I just wrote a comment like, Hey, by the way, I'm, I'm a dietitian. I have a private practice. This is my website, like no pressure, you know? Um, and then from that people just, I guess they must've seen the comment and then, uh, privately messaged me. Mm-hmm. That's but, cool. Yeah. I never yeah. anticipated that. Um, but some of them, I would message the admin person and tell them about my business. And they said, um, that like I could, post a little blurb about my business because it was so relevant to their uh the group yeah I love that I I always love that approach of like kind of asking for permission for to make sure you know because these groups um you know those communities I I don't want to say can be like I guess they're like a safe space in a sense right and then Mm -hmm. we don't business owners want to go in and like disrupt that energy so I love that you were to make sure it was okay to do so Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't want to sound spammy, you know, I want to sound just natural, no pressure, just putting it out there 
type of vibe. Yeah, just supportive for sure. Um, So I have a question because you had mentioned like sharing your own experience and then um, people were kind of like naturally drawn to you that might also have either physical or um, intellectual disabilities coming to work with you. What are your thoughts or feelings on like someone who might not like as a practitioner have uh, physical or intellectual disability, can they still work with this demographic of people? Or do you suggest that um, it's harder because they might not understand fully the perspective of what that client's going through? I think that they can, with the proper um, awareness and training, they can work with that population. I mean, of course, it depends on the individual case. Like if it's, I guess, more more complicated and they really feel it's not like they really don't have the knowledge to help. But in general, like if it's someone, you know, who's coming for um, like general healthy eating or I don't know, intuitive eating, then yeah, I do Mm -hmm. think that practitioners could work with these populations. You know, it's about like um, maybe getting some training or knowledge in how to, um, well, I mean, specifically for people with intellectual disability, you know, knowing how to speak in a very simple, uh, speak in plain language that they understand, um, tailoring your handout so that they have a lot more pictures and they're not as wordy. So making that more accessible and inclusive, um, knowing like, you know, um, someone for example with a brain injury they might they need a lot of repetition so just being cautious of that that they're probably going to forget something you tell them so it's better to repeat it many many times and to focus on one one little thing each session instead of just bombarding them with a lot of information Um, making if you have a physical office making sure that that is wheelchair friendly and accessible I mean, now with the pandemic, most people are virtual, but with a physical office, it is important to make sure that you do have an accessible space. Um, And yeah, you know, making your social media content, we could talk about that a a bit later, but knowing how to make your website and your social media content more inclusive as well. Yeah, those are great ideas. And thank you for saying that. I mean, I would love to go we're going to go way more into how we can make everything accessible. But why don't we get started with, you know, what is accessible nutrition for those who might not have might have not heard this or even considered, you know, like, oh, I should be making my nutrition business accessible. Um, How can we break that down for them? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, first, I'll say it's not a accessible nutrition is not really a like it's not a formal term that we know exactly what to do you know but from I could say from my perspective it's about it's about really knowing for example some nutrition issues that could specifically impact people with different kinds of uh, disabilities but then also it's about making your platform your your practice, your communication materials, your social media, your website as accessible and inclusive as possible, even if you don't have people with disabilities coming to you, because that is important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's so, just like you said, even if you're choosing not to, like maybe you're very niche down, you're choosing not to work with this population, like how can we still make our things Um, information online or website accessible like I think 
well, it's always been something we should have be thinking about, but I especially think like at this day and age, um, there's no reason not to. And also there's so many things out there like, um, trying to think off the top of my head, the word, but like, um, transcription programs and things that you can just use to make your, your business way more accessible. I guess, you know, again, there's no reason not to. So, um, yeah, Mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that, that, that definitely makes sense. So then why don't we just talk about ways that we're not making our business accessible, whether this is something, you know, unconsciously we're doing or something, maybe we have a blind spot, like what might we be doing as business owners? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a definitely a complicated question. Um, I would say I'll start with um, the social media aspect of making things more accessible. Um, you know, oftentimes I'll see people posting um, content and there's no image description uh, in the captions or in the alt text describing what's in the image they're posting or I'll see people um, talking on stories and um, they're just talking and there's no captions or um, people will make these like really beautiful graphics on social media but they're with picture you know like um pictures of people but there's never anyone with a disability in those pictures so those are a lot of things that I'm seeing um that makes things not um not accessible so you know how to make those accessible is like I always tell people try to include um an image description that describes the image that you're posting on your social media. You could just write like at the bottom of the caption image description, and then just briefly describe what the picture is because someone who's uh, blind, they, they won't be able to see the picture, but their, their screen reader will tell them the image description and then they'll know they'll, it will give them context of what is in that image. And, um, I always try to write uh, captions in my Instagram stories um, so that, you know, people who might be deaf, they can't hear, they, they can see what you're, um, what you're saying with the words. And it, I've, um, also some people have told me that like, they always listen to their stories on mute because they have, um, little kids at home yeah. and they don't want to wake them so that they find the captions really helpful for them too. So that's the nice thing about accessibility that it's not, it doesn't just benefit people with disabilities it really benefits everyone yeah Um, and and it's such an easy thing to do I mean that one drives me crazy I always try to nail into my clients like please write um, write on your stories because um, you know for many different reasons you know accessibility and just like you said other people who might not be able to listen you know at that time you've posted like they're missing out and you know you and I think also as business owners we do so much hard work to create content and if only a certain part of the population can hear that um that's problem right and it's just such an easy fix do you know um I should have actually looked before we started but are there any um like uh story transcribers you know of like you know when there's ones that where you're talking and then it just automatically puts in the text do you know any offhand yeah there are some I'm um I was looking into that recently also because I want to start using one um I'm totally blanking on the name of one, but there's one that's <laughs> that costs money. That's like maybe five or ten dollars, and then there are some that are free. 
But if you just type um, like social, like um, in the app store, um, caption generator, social mm-hmm. media caption generator, then a bunch of different ones come up. Yeah, I'll, I'll actually make a note to add some in the show notes for you guys. Yeah. So that because it's just one of those things I know that we're so busy and sometimes that might be you know just we just don't think to do that but if you just record your story in this app it will automatically generate and then I think you can just upload it right to Instagram so again it's one of those things yeah. like let's make it easier for you to do the thing that will be helpful yeah yeah exactly yeah and then I always tell people to include images of people with disabilities in their in the content that they create because um I know a lot of people use Canva I use Canva and Canva actually has really great images of people um, playing adaptive sports people with amputations and wheelchairs crutches so and so I always make a note um intentionally include those images in my posts to make yeah it and I would assume then on the website as well like you'd want to bring all of that imagery over to make the website inclusive as well yeah definitely and to use image descriptions also in your blog posts um yeah that's a whole yeah website accessibility is a whole other thing I'm I'm not an expert in that but it is very important too yeah. So can you just give us an example, like um, for the image description, would it be like, okay, so we're on video right now. So I might just describe it being like, Jackie is there and she's got her glasses and she's wearing um, earphones and she's got a gray sweater. Like, would that be the description or is there a better way to describe the scenario? Um, yeah, I would describe the colors that you see and the location, so you could say Jackie is in a room with a purple wall and a desk. And if there's any words written on the post, I would say what the words are and okay. like where they're located, where Perfect. the images are located. Yeah. So it would just be like a short kind of like in like brackets or something at the bottom, um, just saying like, uh, and you would say image description and then describe it. Yeah, exactly. Like two, one to three sentences. Okay, perfect. That's, yeah, definitely doable. Hey there, I hope you're getting so much value from this episode. So I wanted to take a quick pause to tell you about the Next Level Nutrition Biz Collective and share a special offer just for podcast listeners like you. If you're trying to get momentum with your nutrition business or need some support figuring out your next steps or brainstorming ideas, this monthly membership is for you. Inside, you'll get monthly in-depth marketing, sales, and business trainings, and Q&A sessions to help you grow your nutrition business, as well as a supportive community where you can ask questions and exchange ideas. If you want to learn more or join us in the Next Level Nutrition Biz Collective, head on over to www.stephanielong.ca slash membership, and be sure to use the code podcast in the checkout to get your first month for only $7. See you inside. Okay, so we have the image description, um, putting some captions or text on your stories, um, having more imagery of people with disabilities um, to be inclusive. Um, any, so we, we kind of talked social media. Are there any other areas? Well, we said the website. I don't know if you even want to dig into that if there's things that you can think off the top of your head, but just curious, any other areas that you can think of that maybe were not being accessible right now? Um, besides social media, you mean? 
Yeah, yeah, maybe like I know, for example, like handouts is one that you've mentioned before. Um, and like ways we're not being accessible on our handouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for handouts. Um, oh, that's another thing that with either with handouts or with um, Instagram is to use fonts that are more readable and to not have um, a light font with a light background or a dark font with a dark background. So these all these fancy cursive fonts are not very accessible. They're really hard to read, actually. So I try to use um, fonts that are I'm good. I think it's serif, serif fonts. Oh yeah, Maybe it's mm-hmm. saw serif. One of them I can't remember right now, but one of them is more accessible. Um, so I try to use just simple, basic fonts. And then, um, well, another thing. A lot of times I'll see people like with these, you know, beautiful posts with like white font and a light pink background and you can't read it it's so hard to read or in their stories they'll just type something out in a white font and it just blends in with their background and I and I can barely read it and I can see you know so imagine someone um, with visual issues that there's no way they're going to be able to read that so you want to use um, light fonts with a dark background or dark fonts with a light background so that it's super clear and super easy to read. And so that you can do that in your handouts also. Mm-hmm. And um, depending on the population you're working with, but including an image next to the words. Um, so for example, I did um, something for Special Olympics where originally it wasn't super um, readable and then I I got some good feedback to put images next to every word so that they knew what it was just in case they don't read because there are a lot of people who can't read so you know if you're making a snacks handout like now I'll put an image of that snack right next to it so that's very clear what words it's corresponding to um And then, yeah, I keep the fonts, try to keep them big, try to keep them simple um, and um, include, you know, if it's relevant to the handout to include people with disabilities, but also to include, you know, people in different body sizes and skin colors and cultural backgrounds. I'm also pretty conscious of that, too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the first thing I wanted to say is I am so guilty of the the light colors and the light fonts. And every time I post something, I'm like, this is hard to read. So that will be something I'm going to commit to changing. (laughs) It's hard when you pick like light colors for your brand and then, you know, still Mm -hmm. trying to make it look, but it's like at the end of the day, that matters the least in terms of, okay, this is actually readable. Can people digest this information? Um, Mm -hmm. But yes, I do struggle with that one. So I'm glad you pointed that out. And then with the handouts, you know, one thing that I used to include the images too, and maybe not consciously for the same reason you're saying, I used to do them, um, especially if I was recommending like brands of certain products, just because I think there's so many things when it comes to nutrition in general, like um, us talking about, you know, people with, um, you know, physical or intellectual disabilities is like one thing we definitely have to address. And then also just like nutrition in terms of financial accessibility, like there's so many accessibility issues with nutrition in general. Um, But when I was sharing about certain brands, you know, it's scary enough for someone to change their eating habits and, and to, you know, start feeling better. And when they're 
all of a sudden you're saying like nutritional yeast or whatever, and they don't understand, they can't see what that is, they might not actually go and buy that at the store. So I used to include pictures as like a visual representation. So when they went, they didn't feel nervous about what to actually grab. But I think also it's like not even that complicated with a brand. It's like if you're recommending like, um, I don't know, uh, apple with cheese slices, you're saying like put the picture of that right beside the snack description as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So okay, I'm just trying to think through my head if I have any more questions in terms of the handout. So we would put like an image, potentially an image description if there was different imagery on there. Um, bigger font, like a font that's maybe not cursive, like something that's like bold. I'm assuming not like a eight font, like we want like, you know, 12 or something that's going to be readable and not super yeah. small. Yeah. Um, okay. And, and not then, too much that's all caps because that can be a little bit tricky to read too. Okay. Okay. So like mm-hmm. a combination, like you could have maybe like a title that was caps or something, but your actual content should be easier to read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also, I'm curious about this, because this is another one of my pet peeves. It was a hard lesson I had to learn in my own nutrition business was giving like pages and pages of handouts with like very dense information. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm assuming to keep it more accessible, we really want to simplify, like we want to break things down with like yeah. the need to know information versus like, you know, there's things we can teach, you know, in person in a session versus the things we have to have written down. So do you agree, like, keep it really like a slimmed down version and it doesn't have to be like super lengthy? Oh, yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. And that's something that I learned in my master's program is to simplify the science, you know, turn it all into plain language. We were taught to write, to write at a grade eight reading level. And yeah, just the, and at the end of the day, people don't, they don't really want to know all the nitty gritty. They want like the practical, the simple, the short words, the realistic. So that's what I try to do in my handouts too. just summarize, like, what are the key points here? And then I make a point to explain the handout to the client and not mm-hmm. just assume that they're going to understand it from reading it. So to go through it with them in the session. That's really great. So that's like another way to make it more accessible is not just like, here's all your, you know, handouts, here's your like um, health plan or whatever you're giving to them. You're like, let's go through this. Let me make sure you understand. Are you very open as a practitioner too to like encouraging your clients to ask questions and making sure they understand? Like, do you check in with them about that? Yeah, I'll always say, uh, do you have, do you have any questions about this? How are you feeling? Are you overwhelmed? Because I don't want to bombard them. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that can be helpful across the board is checking in in that way. Because um, again, like with life changes, habit changes, like these things can be overwhelming, even emotionally for us to take on. So to make sure your client's on board and And they feel like it's their journey too, right? Like it's not about us as a practitioner. It's about them. So meeting them where they're at and and creating material for them is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So handouts, anything off the top of your head with the website? Again, I know you kind of 
briefly said, like, that's a huge topic. But would that even be like, like you said, having more inclusive imagery? Or um, do we need to be conscious of like, um, like language barriers, like having things like um, easily translatable, like, you know, sometimes on websites, you can have like a translate button. Um, mm. I'm not sure. Like, yeah, what you, I'm sure the again, the website's a big thing to accomplish to make very accessible, but anything off the yeah. top of your head? Um, I would say, yeah, I mean, the biggest things like also with the fonts and making sure that those are accessible on a website and um, using, you know, not to use like a dark font with a dark background. I would say including images of people with disabilities is key because I, to be honest, I don't think I've really seen that on any website. Um, and trying to include uh, image descriptions for the images that are there. Um, large fonts. Yeah, there are definitely other things that I I need to look into myself, honestly, that I don't even know off the top of my head. It, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a lot. But that sounds like yeah. a really good place to start. I mean, mm -hmm. one that even just came to me when you were talking was like, maybe even making the sign up process more accessible like I know mm. even when we get into business and marketing it's like how can we, we like add all these like funnels in and you know it gets complicated and I'm just like as a normal person we kind of want to just be able to like click a button and sign up right we just want to be able to like get that service so I'm sure even just like making the sign up process would just feel like so much better to you know be able to click the book now button and, and book right in versus having to jump through hoops or anything like that yeah that's true and that would be good for um for older adults too who might have a hard time with technology might find it complicated that would make it more inclusive for them too yeah, for sure. Wow, there's you're right. And like it really starts to kind of unravel like all of the places that we might just not be really considering how is this affecting, you know, so many different populations. So mm -hmm. yeah, such a good conversation. Um, okay, so we talked social media website, we talked handouts, any other areas that you wanted to bring up? Or do you feel like that's a pretty good place for people to get started? Uh, yeah, there's more. I mean, we could talk about like, uh, if you're working with a client with a disability, some things to look out for, some assumptions not to assume, you know, yeah. not to make certain assumptions. So I would say, um, you know, don't assume that if somebody, say you have someone using a wheelchair, don't assume that they're always in the wheelchair. They might, they might also walk um, and use the wheelchair a little bit. Um, and also don't assume what someone can or can't do. So don't assume that they can't cook or don't assume that they don't exercise because they may very well. Um, so yeah, you know, if you're asking like, oh, what, what do you do for physical activity? Don't be, you know, don't say, oh, I assume you don't do, you don't exercise. Like, cause very likely they do, they can ex they definitely can exercise. So don't make that assumption just, you know, like you would for any client, you're not making an assumption about what they can or can't do. And also with cooking, you know, if somebody, um, you know, whatever the condition may be, just don't assume that they can't cook 
or, you know, cause maybe they love cooking and they can cook. They just cook while they're sitting down. So always make sure to clarify. And that's something, you know, that's also good to clarify. Like what, what's your comfort level in the kitchen? Um, what are you able to do? What is easiest for you? What is hard for you? Um, and just get a whole sense of how their um, condition might impact certain abilities or functions. So, for example, um, someone who has chronic fatigue syndrome or someone with a brain injury, traumatic brain injury, um, they they might get tired really easily. So it wouldn't make sense to recommend for them, you know, to cook all their meals from scratch like it's not realistic so being mindful of that maybe it would mean that they have to split up their cooking into small tasks so maybe they cook it's better for them to cook one thing a day rather than everything at once in in three hours that could be too draining for them or if they have chronic pain you know they're they don't have the energy to cook so it could be about um thinking about ways to uh, that they could order in food to make it a bit healthier or um, coming up with like frozen meals that are healthier, that are easy for them. Um, maybe going the route of frozen vegetables and fruit, something that uh, you can, ways that you can make it super simple and easy for them uh, based on their abilities, you know? So uh, someone who's quadriplegic, they might not have, um, the best hand function, they might not be able to cook, maybe they could, you don't know, you have to ask, but if they say that it's hard for them, they can't. So maybe you get them involved in choosing the recipes, they can still plan the meals. And then they could, you know, um, maybe their caregiver or their partner, whoever lives with them, uh, could cook the food. So they're still getting involved, uh, heavily involved and still feeling included. So it's, yeah, it's about meeting, meeting them where they're at, not making assumptions. And then um, there are, um, you know, there are specific nutritional needs for people with different conditions. Like you can't, it's not always going to be the same as for everyone else. You know, like you might not think someone with a spinal cord injury has, um, that they get pressure wounds, lots of pressure sores, and their nutrition could play a very big role in that. So, and that might not be something that you're used to seeing because, you know, maybe most of your clients don't deal with that. So just being aware of some of the uh, specific issues that could impact people, they, you know, people with spina bifida or spinal cord injury or MS, they also, um, are likely dealing with incontinence from uh, neurogenic bowel, neurogenic bladder. And so for them, it's not just about like, oh, you're constipated. Okay, we'll just treat you like anyone else. Just tell you the fiber and then it'll be fine. Like you have to know that there are, they are, you know, they could be taking laxatives and they have a specific bowel program. They use catheters. So it's not going to be exactly the same advice as you would give for someone else without that issue. Yeah. Those were all really, really good points. Like, I think remembering to ask the questions (laughs) and not just like you said, make assumptions. So I'm curious, would that be something you do like during like a first meeting or an intake process? You would kind of like 
I don't know, for lack of a better word, like collect the data, collect the information. And then that is what you would then use when developing some kind of program or plan for them. Would you do that at the beginning? Yeah, I would ask that in the assessment. Uh, For me, I, I have an intake questionnaire for some people, but I don't I don't really ask those questions in the intake. That's more general. But then in the assessment, I do ask a lot more specifics about their comfort level in uh, the kitchen and with cooking. Yeah. Yeah. And for that, like the forms that you have them fill out prior, I'm assuming like, um, did you call it an intake or did you call it no assessment? You call it Uh, before they, before they, we have the first session, they do an intake questionnaire. And then the first session is the assessment. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so in the intake forms, do you make those accessible in a different way? Like, do you have to consider like, if you know, somebody um, can't see well, like, have you brought any kind of um, things in to make it an easier process for them? That's a good question. I haven't yet. I use a platform called Practice Better um, that I know a lot of people use. And so I just use their, um, I mean, I've tailored my own intake form from there. Um, Mm -hmm. But that, yeah, I mean, I I think that maybe if someone has a screen reader, then it would read Mm -hmm. to them so they'd know how to answer. But I guess if... um, I could always just um, fill it out with them in the first session. That's, yeah, that's what I was that, thinking. Yeah. So maybe, I, I mean, maybe it would be neat to even have on that form, like, well, I was going to say some a question that says, if you're unable to fill this out, like just check this off and we can do this in our session. But then that might be hard for them to check mm. off that question. But I'm sure there is some kind of process like prior where to make it like very accessible to say like, if this is not accessible for you to do, here's another alternative. Yeah, that's true. And now you actually just got me thinking of like adding to the intake questionnaire. Do you have any um, accessibility needs for our sessions? Yeah. That's a great one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming... Yeah like as you're starting to think of different ways, you already have so many ways that now everybody can implement, you know, and make this more accessible for their clients. But um, I'm sure it's a lifelong process of like, okay, I've done this one step. And then you work with a client, you're like, oh, I didn't even think of that. And then you add it in. I'm assuming it's like making the changes as they come, so that you're always, always um, making things more accessible over time. Yeah, exactly. It's about making changes over time, like you said, and not being hard on yourself for if you don't have everything down pat, you know, I don't even have everything down pat with it. Like, it's all it's a work in progress, everything you do um, towards your along the way to make your practice more accessible is a big step forward. Yeah, I totally agree. (laughs) Well, this was awesome. Let's leave it there because I feel like that was a lot, like very actionable for people to, yeah. to get started. Um, I would love for people to make some of these changes because I think um, it's so important. Um, mm-hmm. And and the things that we can do, right? Like whether it was like getting that caption generator app on your phone for your social media or going to your handouts and just adding some imagery to give more context, um, very simple things. So mm-hmm. uh, thanks for sharing all of that. And um, I would love for you to just share now, you know, where can people 
like find you, whether that's your website or Instagram, like whatever you want to share with us so we can um, come and follow you now. Yeah. So my website is JackieSilverNutrition.com. J-A-C-K-I-E-S-I-L-V-E-R, nutrition. And then my Instagram is Accessible Wellness. And yeah, anyone is welcome to send me a DM or message me. I love chatting about this stuff. So I welcome any conversation. Yeah, um, I will also put your links in the show notes too, if anyone wants to find them there. And okay, let's leave it at that. But thank you so much, Jackie. This was awesome. Um, I've really enjoyed this conversation. And thanks again for coming. Me too. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening in. If you like this episode, feel free to leave us a review, share the episode with a friend, or take us on social media. Catch you next time.